Hey everyone, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. Every weekend we drop deep dive interviews with leading guitarists and guitar figures. And midweek we have our iconic albums series, which you have tuned in for. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. All right, welcome to the Iconic Album Show from the Guitar Speak podcast. I'm joined by my friends Rob Rhodes. Hello. And Gabor Jessica. Hello. And we check out Iconic Records. They've got some cool guitar stuff going on. Uh, Gabor is bringing tonight's record to you, or today, whenever you listen to this podcast. Yes. Over yes. to you, Gabor. All right, so my album that I chose, uh, it may not be everyone's cup of tea, and some people may disagree with it being iconic, uh, but I think it is it is iconic uh, for the reasons that you shall find out uh, in this uh, next half an hour or so. Uh, it's uh, St. Vincent's self-titled album, St. Vincent, uh, often just referred to as self-titled. Um, yeah, uh, so it was... It was it, Little backstory. So St. Vincent is basically uh, Annie Clark, mm-hmm. um, uh, who's a guitarist, musician, who's played uh, in, in a bunch of different acts before as well. But um, she sort of around 2006 started doing her own thing and started using the name St. Vincent. Uh, she took that name from a Nick Cave song, actually. Ah. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's uh, a song called, hang on, what's the song called? There She Goes My Beautiful World. Uh, uh, and in that, song uh, nick cave sings about uh, the welsh poet dylan thomas dying in saint vincent's hospital and she loved that song and she took the name from that so that's where the name saint vincent comes from cool. but it's basically it's her she does everything she writes all the songs and it sort of goes from there so uh this was her fourth album um it was released on february 24th 2014 and it was recorded at Elmwood Studios in Dallas. So she's originally from Texas, and um, okay. so this was recorded in Dallas. By um, it, it was sort of her and producer, who was also producer and engineer for this album, and John Congleton, um, who produced a bunch of her previous albums as well. Uh, but he's also worked with Erica Badu and Modest Mouse, uh, David Byrne, which is actually, we're going to talk about that actually, uh, because there was a collaboration uh, happening. Uh, he also worked with Goldfrapp, Marilyn Manson. Like he's he's had quite a bit of bit of a resume. Um, he's worked with quite a lot of bands. Um, it was an album that won her uh, the 2015 Grammy for Best Alternative Album, uh, which she was only the second female ever to win that. Um, oh, really? After uh, Sinead O'Connor. Wow. Mm. Sinead O'Connor was the first one, so she was the, uh, and she's since for each following album won. Uh, 
multiple Grammys again. So she, that was sort of her, one of the reasons why I chose that album, that was sort of the album that kind of launched her to a certain degree. Okay, yeah, cool. So she, she released a bunch of albums before that. So it was the, first, uh, the fourth album. She released Marry Me in 2007, Actor 2009, Strange Mercy in 2011. Uh, and then one of the albums, uh, sort of uh, on a side note that I want to talk about a little bit in this, is an album called Love This Giant, um, which is a collaboration she did with David Byrne from um, Talking Heads, who I absolutely love. I'm a massive Talking Heads. Uh, there will be a Talking Heads album in this yeah, bring series it at some stage as well. Um, uh, uh, which I think, so th- that album had a lot to do with, that coll- collaboration had a lot to do with, I think, where she's heading after that and into now. Uh, and then uh, after that, she released um, Mass Seduction in 2017 and uh, just recently Daddy's Home, which is actually a really, really good album as well. So um, my little backstory, just want to quickly, and then we'll get, get into it more, but my little backstory, I actually got into St. Vincent through her signature guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in 2016, she released a signature guitar with Ernie Ball Music Man. And yeah, there you go, there you go. For the people with the special glasses, um, um, <laughs> Rob is holding holding up the, a magazine with her on it. Um, so she released this this her and Ernie Ball Music Man released this signature Saint Vincent model, and I remember seeing it in guitar magazines and thinking that's just the coolest looking guitar yeah, ever. Man. I don't is that is that a guitar that you guys are into? Yeah, I like it. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's original. It looks like a you know, it, it looks like a cocktail dress. Which is killer, like you <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. up the hips in the middle and up and that's kind of got that vibe to it. I really like it. It always reminded me, you know, that there's a kind of logo that Madness have, which is almost like that. Is that suit thing? It's like a oh, triangle yeah. thing. It yep, always yep. reminds me a yeah. little bit of that. Um, but yeah, so I saw the I saw the the ad for that guitar yeah, in, right. in guitar magazines, and I thought, oh, I gotta listen. Whoever. You know, I've heard of sort of heard of St. Vincent before, and I, I was sort of aware that there was a St. Vincent, but I never really heard any of her music. And I thought, I've got to check out who has an, a guitar that looks like that. that yeah, that yeah. Cool. And actually, this album was the first album of hers I bought because it was the current album at the time. And uh, I absolutely loved loved it. And I actually got into her whole back catalogue as well. And I think. I personally think she's absolutely brilliant, and and the stuff she does is 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 pretty amazing. And if you listen to all the back catalogue as well, super varied in styles. Um, so have you guys just have you guys heard any of her of her stuff like other than this, or have you have you been familiar with her at all? Or um, probably similar to you, I think um, I'd heard a couple of songs, and I've heard of her, and I'd, I'd checked out a few songs, but I'd never gone through a whole record. Um, okay. Obviously, the the Music Man guitar thing made made yeah. a splash in uh, some of the stuff I was following online or whatever. Yeah, uh, same thing. I thought it was just such a cool guitar. Yeah. I don't know if I could pull it off. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm I, sure you could. I'm sure uh, you could. Maybe I could. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So no, the other thing I, I really liked about her, Rob just held up the Guitar World her cover story, and I loved it that she wore um, a t-shirt. With a bikini on the T-shirt, yeah. <laughs> obviously having a big dig at Guitar World, who used to have like the bikini-clad models. Yeah, on the front cover. On the cover. The buyer's guide episodes. Yeah, yeah. I know, man. Yeah. So when when I saw her do that, number one, I thought she was awesome, and number two, I thought Guitar World was awesome for going along with it. Yeah. Uh, because I think they yeah. had dropped the bikinis. Uh, 
models yeah. by then too. Mm. So I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, only forty years too late, but still, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what's forty years? But I guess what I found out about her since, uh, yeah, she just seems like a really intriguing person, and I really enjoyed the record. I'm, I'm oh, looking I'm forward to the, to the discussion as as it unfolds, man. Cool, cool, cool. So, so uh, uh, back to the album. Um, or uh, actually, well, Rob, sorry, I no, that's you. all right. Um, I'm a forgettable guy, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> no, no, never. On, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also extremely self-deprecating, which oh. I hope that's coming off. You hope? Um, um, Yeah, I'm the same. I came across her through the guitar magazines. I've always been a bit of a Guitar World magazine subscriber. Um, Mm. I think mostly because it's how I've discovered a lot of artists. You know, like I think I discovered Gary Clark Jr. through there. I discovered Tyler Bryant through there. And even like further, further back, I discovered so many acts through the little, um, the little tune up section where you know, new artist sections, um, and album review sections. So it's been a real part of just trying to stay connected to what's happening in America, basically, you know, because we're not, we're a long way away. And, um, so she, came to the forefront because they were really championing her championing her come on yeah. brain um <laughs> sorry that's the the no i won't say that uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so she was the signature model was there and she was on covers and she had cover stories and little smaller stories within there and her albums were being reviewed so she was always sort of, I would got jump on YouTube and watch some clips or watch live and try and maybe, yeah, broaden my horizons a little bit of, of what that alternative kind of scene that she was building was mm. about. Because um, I just like to keep up with what's going on. But it was, yeah. was really, for me, it was difficult because I'm a, I think I wrote some notes here that I'm I'm a sucker for a big pop song, a hook, you know, just something that grabs me, the a, a big vocal, especially when it comes to female vocalists. Like so many great female vocalists out there and um and it just never grabbed me. Um mm. and I understand that it's all part of that avant-garde um, movement and she's doing some amazing things and I've really loved the daddy's home stuff I've that's really a, gotten into that album. I think that's a really good that album, speaks yeah. to me more because there's that there's hooks there's a bit of a pop sensibility there's the call and response conversation vocals which is very like young Americans Bowie thing going on there yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. grabbed me and and as an artist as a person as a musician she is like absolutely like wonderful she's a great speaker yeah. um yeah. she's done a couple of long interviews lately um on some of the youtube channels and she's yeah absolutely intriguing and um yeah. i think there's it's some, funny actually something big coming for her and I, I it's it's a shame that album came out during lockdown but maybe it, it's been beneficial for her i think it works quite well because she she did a lot of um, kind of live uh, streaming stuff and video stuff. And because it's this whole kind of 70s vibe, even down to the way the video looks, yeah. like she has a different um, um, 
uh, aspect ratio, you know, the, the, and, and it all kind of looks like old VHS tapes and stuff like that. It, she kind of really works with, this is with the newest album, she really kind of works that in. That, uh, it's actually funny um, uh, you saying, you know, the hooks and stuff with the latest album, because um, this album, uh, the self-titled album and the following album, uh, Mass Seduction, and this is to me also kind of almost funny that the, the signature guitar came out. Because they were very, and she went through a very anti-guitar phase, mm. um, where uh, there's a lot of electronic music. Uh, self-titled still has a lot of guitar on it, and everything has guitar on it. But mass seduction, especially, very, very electronic and very minimalist. Um, and it's funny, so she got the signature guitar, and she kind of went away from guitar, really. Uh, but with this album now, she wanted to do a like a uh, the, well, the latest one, Daddy's Home. She wanted to do this sort of um, Steely Dan like kind of seventies kind of everyone in the room kind of party vibe album, and I think she pulled it off really well. But I mean, this is a different album. We're not talking about that album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to um, check it out though because I've read about it uh, and the story. It's great. It's it, really so, good. Yeah, I'll dig in. It's really, I'm, really I'm glad good. you guys have been talking it up. Actually, another album I think everyone, if, if you haven't listened to it, everyone should check check out is Love This Giant. And uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm going to start sort of with Love This Giant because I think her collaboration with David Byrne, if you listen to all her previous stuff uh, and then you listen to Love This Giant and then you kind of, and especially if you watch some of the live stuff they did together uh, and then you look at her after that, you can sort of see, I think he had an in, uh, quite a big influence on her. And um, so if you don't know about Love This Giant, so it's her and David Byrne did a collaboration. So I think they met at some benefit concert and kind of hit it off and um, decided to make an album together. But again, it's a sort of anti-guitar thing that she went through at the time. So uh, uh, it's an album where so bo- both her and David Byrne sing and they share the writing. And David Byrne plays some acoustic guitar on some tracks. She plays some electric guitar on some tracks. Then there's um, drum, program drums. And the rest is a brass band. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a full brass band. But it's such clever songs and the way they're written. So it's 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 basically brass bands with some electronic drums, a little bit of guitar and singing over it. So if you, if you get a chance, uh, check it out. There's They released a single, I think it was called Who? Uh, great clip too. Uh, and typical David Byrne kind of style as well. And and, and especially if you, li- if you watch the, the live concerts, um, they're all kind of dressed in same color outfits and they have these kind of dance routines and choreography with the brass band. Like, I think it was an eight or 11 piece brass band that they toured with. Um, live drummer, uh, keyboard player, them two and a brass band. It was fantastic. Definitely. If, if you get a chance, check it out. It's, it's so different, but so cool. Well, she does um, different, like her live shows, like crazy costume things and, you know, space well, themes, and then she has like those weird masks that the band members yeah, wear. Yeah, the, like, the, the faceless thing. Because yeah. I think, because one of the things she started doing, and I think that's one of the reasons why this album uh, is a self titled album, being her fourth album. I think, uh, and, and from what I gathered from interviews um, uh, around the time when they were doing a collaboration, I think a lot of David Byrne rubbed off on her and. After that, she kind of went into this uh, becoming a character mm. and the ca- and David Bowie-esque, you know, where you become a character and yeah, then you okay. write songs around a character. And I think she started with this and it was her. It was the character that she created on stage, St. Vincent, 
So this album is this album about her character, kind of, that she is on stage. Cool. And then she did the next album was sort of more uh, about sort of this kind of fake Hollywood thing, you know, and which that's why you have all these faceless, um, you know, masks and all this sort of stuff and, and, and almost um, like doll looking out, you know, they all kind of look like dolls. It's a sort of, I think it's commentary on, on the... Because after this, after the self-titled album and winning a Grammy and sort of becoming more of an A-lister, um, you know, she kind of became part of that world. And then her next album became this sort of talking about the fakeness of of Hollywood, you know, and 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 songs like Pills and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, now she went into this next character, which is that washed-up '70s kind of superstar actress kind of thing. So I think, and that's one of the reasons also why I chose this self-titled album. I think it sort of started her, um, in a way, like I talked about in the um, uh, Synchronicity album, uh, I thought that was the album where Sting sort of became Sting as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this is where she sort of became who she is now and it's sort of everything she's done since sort of started then because if you listen to a lot of the stuff before it's great but it's very different very very different and it's sort of this album kind of changed and i think it's all down to david burns so check out that album people out there if you can love this giant it's a really really cool album especially if you're into talking heads and david byrne yeah cool um so that yeah that was the sort of um um I just wanted to kind of throw it out there as a kind of backstory. So uh, this album also very different to a lot of albums when it came to the recording side of things. Um, most most of the previous albums that she recorded and uh, a lot of the stuff was written in the studio and it was kind of thrown together fairly quickly, jam sessions and stuff like that. And she worked with the same producer, um, um, what was his name again? John Congleton. She worked with him quite a bit before, so they knew each other quite well. But this album, she wrote most of it during the process of working with David Byrne. Um, and uh, there's there's actually a quote, uh, one of the reasons why it sort of became very electronic, uh, I read an interview somewhere that um, she lived in an apartment, I think in Austin in Texas, and uh, one of her neighbours was always complaining about her making too much noise when she played guitars. <laughs> so she started um, uh, just sitting in, and using GarageBand on a Mac and just drawing stuff in in MIDI and even guitar parts doing MIDI guitar parts uh, to be quiet and just sit there but still write stuff. So a lot of this stuff was written um, uh, and uh, that's why it sort of had that electronic vibe to it as well. It was all written mm. by her just sitting in front of garage band and just, just writing it on that. Um, she also, this is sort of a quote from her from an interview. She said, uh, this is a more primary color record than I've done in the past. It's generally a bit brighter. It was less emotionally fraught than um, when I was writing Strange Mercy, her previous album. Um, there's an exuberance in Love This Giant and maybe some of that carried into this record. It's entertainment, it's fun. Um, that was sort of one of, you know, just a quote. I thought that would be kind of interesting. So the recording um, took place over about six months, on and off. They wow. kind of got together quite a bit. And uh, there's actually a really good interview with John Congleton, the, the producer, um, about the recording session and using very unorthodox ways of recording. So a lot of the drums, for example, uh, were just one mic in the room. Um, and often he said you'd hear, uh, and he said, if you listen to it, you can hear it goes from one, uh, one day to record it, uh, the drum bit, uh, drum bit, uh, bit to a song uh, with one drummer, with one drum kit in one room. And then a different drummer came in 
and played a different drum kit and it was mic'd up completely differently. Mm. And sort of mid-song, it just shifts from one to the other. Oh, wow. Um, cool. And it, it was just, it was, they were trying to do things um, in the, just trying to do things very differently to how they used to, uh, how they used to work together before. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and then there's gear. I don't know if we want to get into gear now, or do we want to take a break and then get into gear? Or? Um, yeah, let's take a break and we'll talk gear and maybe some songs as well. Sounds good. Cool. We'll be back with more St. Vincent's self-titled album, which was called St. Vincent. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Okay, welcome back. We're talking about St. Vincent's self-titled album from 2015. Gabor has brought it to us. Back Hello. to you, Gabor. That's me. Okay, so briefly, let's talk a little bit about Gia and then let's get into some songs. Yeah. So um, uh, she was really known before, or not known, but I mean, before that, if people knew her, um, she was known for using kind of old harmony star guitar so uh silhouette bobcats that's sort of that kind of offset shape like a jazz master uh -huh, shape but cool. um the old kind of with the gold foil pickups in it but just around that time of the time of that album she started wor working with with Ernie music man and she originally started using a lot of um albert lee guitars the, the dual humbucker um albert lee guitars and most live shows you see from that era she used a white one and a black one um, and she seemed to really like playing these, and that's sort of how the whole collaboration came apart, came together. But in the studio, um, she was using uh, John Congleton's guitar, uh, one of his favorite guitars that he had lying around in the studio, which was a Thurston Moore Jazzmaster. Ah, wow. So nice. most of the songs, um, so his signature, that kind of green kind of signature mm, Jazzmaster. That's cool. With, I, like I that. think it just had a volume knob, and that's it. It's very PJ Harvey. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It would have had some drumsticks jammed in the strings to it at some stage, surely. I, I, I'd imagine so. I don't know if they came uh, with the Fender model when you bought it, though. Or if you had it in your own. That'd be weird. <laughs> Open up the case and there's a, what? <laughs> what? Drumstick? Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's on most of the album. Uh, she also used, uh, and she seemed to be using that live a lot as well, so it must be something about the guitar, but the mm. song Birth in Reverse, she uses uh, a 1979 Hackstrom Super Swede. Ah. And it's in a film clip and live often from that era, she seems to play that guitar for whatever reason. It must have a certain vibe to it that, that um, seems to really work for that particular song. Um, uh, she seems to, uh, most songs she tunes, uh, and still I think up until now, she tunes down to D standard. Okay. So a whole, a whole step down, a whole tone down. Because apparently she said, uh, I read a few interviews, it works, it suits her voice better that way. And she seems to ca use capos a lot. I don't know if you, if you ever see live footage of her, there's always a capo on the on the headstock. And she seems to use capos a lot for songs. Okay. <clears throat> Which kind of makes you wonder why she tunes to the standard. In the, uh, any, but anyway. Um, and for this album also, she started using a lot of alt alt alternate tunings. And she liked this thing where she put would put multiple strings to the same note, 
but ever so slightly off to get that kind of beating, kind of natural chorusing sound. Uh, she seemed to really like that. So that's a thing she used a lot on this album. So that's a that's a Sonic Youth thing right there. That's a very Sonic Youth thing, yeah. yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that I'd imagine there'd be influences on her. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's guitar-wise. And, and uh, actually she... Um, According again to that John Congleton, um, a lot of a lot of the album was recorded just going direct into the console, uh, so using distortion of fuzz pedals and then going straight into the console wow. into a Neve console that they used, because um, she loves. Um, and, and again, there's a really interesting um, video. I think there's it's a, it's two parts that she did with Eventide. Uh, and she, th- there's a guy from Eventide there, and he goes through uh, some of the old Eventide Factor pedals. You know the the kind of Mod factor, time factor, pitch factor, yeah. And uh, they kind of go through her with that, with some sounds, with a new pedal board that was made for the previous album, for the Strange Mercy album. Um, And she, you know, she finds all these kind of weird um, fuzz sounds that are in reverb sounds kind of built into these things. And she constantly talks about how she loves um, the more disgusting the sound, the better. She loves Uh really dirty, disgusting, fuzzy kind of sounds. So yeah, so a lot of the album apparently was recorded um, just going directly into the console with fuzz pedals, but uh, she also used um, uh, some a couple of old Dan Electra and Kalamazoo amps po- that were lying around as well, sort of small, uh, small, um, low wattage, sixties um, kind of tube amps. Okay, wow. okay, yeah, um, just for that kind of destroyed sound when you crank him completely crank him um but live for the tour she actually used uh started using um um kemper profilers uh because her guitar tech apparently also worked with nine inch nails and nine inch nails just started using prior to him joining her started using kempers and she kind of went oh well if it's good enough for trent it's good enough for me (laughs) so she started using him and also uh for live um she stopped using pedal boards because uh, and again, so this is going back to the David Byrne thing. She started using a lot of choreography on stage for the live shows after this, um, and uh, she was always worried about stepping on the wrong pedals and stuff. So uh, the whole show actually ended up being run by uh, the keyboard player who had Ableton there, and in Ableton you can send MIDI messages, and okay. she used an RJM. Um, uh, uh, what are they called? Mastermind. Uh, the Mastermind yeah. and the Gizmo Effects Gizmo. Oh, yeah. Um, so she had like a rack drawer with all the effects in it, and she actually played. And they were they weren't playing along to. Uh, there's also actually a very interesting interview with a keyboard player um, in some tech ma- magazine, and they weren't playing along to tracks. There were no tracks, but they were playing along to clicks uh, because the clicks would change his keyboard sounds. The clicks would change the other keyboard player sounds. The click would change the electronic drum sounds. Uh, and her guitar and Annie's guitar sound, uh, sound. So everything was changed. No one had to push any buttons because there was so much going on apparently that you ran out of time pushing buttons. Wow. So Ableton ran all of it by sending MIDI MIDI information to everything. I love that because like so many bands run tracks. Um, yeah. To subvert that idea, you want to pull all the crazy sounds. So you run MIDI, but the MIDI's it's just switching cha- sounds for you. And so apparently That's the keyboard player cool. had foot pedals and with the foot pedals, he would go from one bit to the next so they could stretch bits. So it would be like a verse bit. But nice. if they wanted to play the verse bit longer, nice. he could, you know, 
keep it looping. Yeah. And then if they wanted to go to the next bit, you push the button and it would go to the next bit. Oh, or, that's or, really cool. Whichever way it works. So, but yeah, apparently never any tracks. It's all played live. Um, Effects-wise, very quickly, and then we get into songs. Um, she got, uh, during that album, and I think previous album as well, she really got into the Big Sonics uh, X-Pandora, the little silver round oh, thing. the round one, yeah. Uh, that Billy Gibbons Billy Gibbons. Um, <clears throat> for all your viewers out there. Paul <laughs> has <laughs> got one. I have one. I have two. It looks I, like I a silver medal, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hockey puck. Hockey puck, It's like yeah. a silver hockey puck, but really dodgily built like old electroharmonic stuff that kind of bends as you push on it okay um <laughs> but it sounds killer uh the zvex mastotron which is sort of the the yeah, kind of the fuzz crazy fuzz. blue fuzz yeah. yeah uh uh boss ps5 pitch shifter and she started using two um even tight h9s for this um sort of little h9 the little white yeah hang on again for you people with uh, this thing <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and she used for the solo in Rattlesnake, she used an EHX microsynth. Oh, yeah. So that's that's stuck out big time. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, um, and she, uh, she, uh, she really likes playing a lot of the synth parts on guitar or making the guitar sound like it's a synth. Yeah. Or in those days, she really liked that. So that's, that's basically the, the uh, recording and gear and stuff. Now let's talk songs. <laughs> So let's start with Rob. Standout tracks. Um, look, I I really struggled to have a favorite song. Again, I was kind of looking for something that, as a a whole, like grabbed me, and it was mostly moments in songs. Okay. So um, I really liked "Birth in Reverse," and I particularly liked the little riff. That, that at the end of the chorus that goes into the second verse is like this little funky yeah like I really like that and um, Huey Newton um, is obviously it's a more guitar orientated song so I was drawn to that um, but I could the thing for me is I could hear all the influences like yeah. what my what I thought the influences were anyway from my perspective so it, that record, I could hear a lot of Bowie and Tin Machine. Yeah. Um, I could hear Kate Bush. I could hear Devo. Like <clears throat> to me, yeah. like there's very like she must have been into Devo. But there's also Muse and Prince and Portishead. Like I don't, I couldn't find that she referenced Portishead anywhere. But there seems to be that kind of feel, which is a Eurythmics thing as well. Yeah, um, there's yeah, a bit yeah. of that in there. But also Regret. Um, I did like. Regret, it stood out to me as probably my favourite song on that record because it blended elements of Prince and Queen. Like I could okay. I could hear that kind of thing going on and more like the Prince of the later years, so the Raven to the Joy and those sorts yeah. of records when, you know, it sort of sat more with what she's doing. There, there was that a lot of... Very similar thing where Prince plugged his dirt pedal straight into the console to yeah. get a lot of those yeah. guitar sounds, and you can hear immediately that that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. It's that it's that that kind of harmony guitar, that riff, and then each time through, an extra bit gets added, and an extra bit gets, and it just gets massive and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so that kind and of regret that's- that that sort of identified the Brian May thing to me, where yeah. it was that layered yeah. harmony. Um, 
but yeah, that that's that kind of stands out to me. And and she is a big Gilmore and Nick Cave fan. She tends to yeah. mention them a lot in interviews, and you can hear those influences too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to go back on something you said, she intentionally in one interview I read said. She does everything she can to make the guitar sound as least like a guitar as possible. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird that you've got this poster child, like guitar yeah. magazine thing, yeah. because she's not really that poster girl either. No. Um, so it's really good to see the development of the guitar world that she's on a magazine cover. She's not really, she's not an Orianthe. She's not a Jennifer Batten. She's not. No, she's not a full know, shredder. No, no. No, no. She's, she is this, what you said. She's got a concept. She's a character. Yeah. Um, and it's really good to see that even though she came out of Berkeley and these places, she's really um, focused on who she wants to be as an artist. And I think that's. That's the thing that draws you into her. Yeah. Well, draws me into her as an artist more so than the music does. So, um, and that just made me want to like her, and why I've sort of gravitated to the Daddy's Home record because it has that pop sensibility <coughs> that I talked about earlier. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good to see, you know, that I have followed her career and seen the development and seen the changes and just be able to appreciate that an artist these days like that has been able to develop and is also being able to enter the mainstream. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is, you don't see much of that kind of stuff. And and that's one of the things I really, to me, she kind of gives me almost a little bit of hope, (laughs) you know, that you can still be, um, you know, there's people like her and uh, I mean, He's been around for longer, but Trent Reznor, you know, it's people like that who do stuff that's out of the norm, that's kind of, you know, weird and wacky harmonies that shouldn't be working and stuff like that. But yet it's in the mainstream and they win Grammys and they win Academy Awards in Trent Reznor's case. <clears throat> and people love them and, and the media loves them, even though they're not, mm. and they're poster boys and girls. Yeah even though they're not, they don't fit into the poster boys and girls thing, which is, and I love that. I, I, that's that's one of the things I really uh, like about her. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, what about you? F- uh, favorite songs? Yeah, I mean, I just, just plus one on, on that whole idea of subverting the idea of what the guitar is and yeah. still making it super important, but not, super obvious so i guess yeah you know last week with the no doubt record um i was talking about the idea of a lot of those 90 records having great parts and great tones but it wasn't wall-to-wall shredding this is like i don't know if it's that idea times a million or something on this record (laughs) it is it's so hard to to hear it it's actually it was really hard to find a conventional guitar tone on the whole album Mm. There isn't any, no. Which is which was exciting because you can work out it is still being guitar driven. It's just another um, another manipulation of the instrument, which I found yeah. really exciting. Um, so when when you're talking about plugging into the board, that sort of explained why. I guess is it yeah, Birth in Reverse has got really hi-fi kind of fuzz going on. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you said that, I thought, okay, that's why I'm hearing that that tone and, and kind I of. I think that song it. is that, that the Expandora 
straight into the console. Okay, here. yeah, which is really cool because it sounds super processed, but it's just like a, a like a three knob uh, stop box into <laughs> when you just plug yeah. it straight in. You, you're just yeah. getting all that that uh, full range gnarliness yeah, yeah. that that we've spent you know, seven years trying to avoid by building guitar amps. (laughs) (laughs) We might all be headed there. We might all be headed there with the shortage of tubes at the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, man, Rattlesnake, I really dug the the solo-y, or the inverted commas, solo in that. That was the, (laughs) I think was that, that was the microsynth. That was the microsynth, yeah, in Rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a a cool vibe. Um, you know, in the midst of all this cool sonic mayhem, at the end of the day, I'm still hearing really melodic tunes, um, yeah. Yeah. and a real, yeah, a real sense of melody in what she's doing, which is always, um, which is always great to hear. I'm, I'm, I am really intrigued to hear it in more of a, a pop direction with the Daddy's Home record, which I haven't heard yeah. yet, but just hearing yeah. you guys describe that's really... Um, piqued my interest so yeah I mean she's she writes cool riffs as well like the Huey Newton those riffs are gigantic mm. yeah 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 so that's a funny song as well it sort of it starts off with this kind of almost angelic kind of thing and then it goes into this monster fuzz over the top fuzz kind of riff thing yeah um, it's cool how you know that sort of diver- you know diversity changes sort of yeah so yeah found, found her really intriguing um, yeah really interesting musician and um yeah she's got an interesting int- interesting playing style as well she tends to play more with her fingers uh, uh um, she does play with a pick as well but a lot with her fingers and okay. um she uh she she talks about i think she's a niece of this guy tuck andrus i've never really heard of him before oh, oh, you just really? you just took my fun fact oh, did, oh wow. <laughs> sorry sorry that's right. so i'm amazed really either Rob's way fun fellas, it's, that's awesome yeah, i had yeah, no that's... idea we're all contributing. So yeah, she's the niece of, uh, and she toured with him uh, when she was really little, and 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 sort of you know was around. And, and I mean, he's a. I haven't really heard much of him, but he's apparently like a quite a renowned oh, finger star. Yeah, player. he's claimed to fame with the Hot Licks videos in the eighties, nineties. He had, that, okay. he did a series of those. Yeah, so you had um, Paul Gilbert and Lukather, and oh, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. and Tuck oh, so he did, did them. them. Yeah, he that was. Sort of his, that's where I came across him anyway, back in the day in the guitar magazine ads for Hot Licks. Um, yeah, okay. he did that. Yeah, he videos. was like, because he's, he he's in a draw with his wife, Tuck and Patty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they'd be busting out Hendrix or, or Stevie Wonder tunes and he'd be playing every part at once. Okay, wow. Well, like okay. The horns, the guitars. The, yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah, so she she sort of grew up around him a lot, and and uh, uh, I think learned a lot of you know her guitar playing from him, and she still to this day uses her fingers a lot, and that's because of it came oh, wow, from that. Cool. So she has sort of a, a more unorthodox style, um, and she uses this, her slide. She plays slide a lot, uh, not because she necessarily likes the slide, but she likes um, it. Kind of makes it go out of her comfort zone, and instead of going for notes that she knows will work. Mm-hmm. She kind of listens to the notes and finds notes that seem to work, whether they're in tune or not, is a different story or perfectly in tune. But so she uses a slide a lot as well. Um, but yeah, for me, the whole album is is great. Uh, um, I seem to be quite drawn towards uh, "Digital Witness" is a song I really like, and that was sort of one of the first songs I really I kind of heard and really 
liked of hers. Okay. And that it reminds me a lot of that Love This Giant album because it's all that sort of synth um, horn parts, basically, again, that kind of make it all up. So I think that's quite, maybe that was partially written for the other album and didn't make it on the other album. But um, um, but yeah, interesting production. There's also a little another little, in, in Rattlesnake, um, they didn't quite know, they recorded the vocals and weren't quite sure, it didn't sound quite right. And, and apparently she, at, in those days, still felt very self-conscious about her voice because she considers herself more of a guitar player than a singer, even though I think she's got a great voice. But... Um, so what they did was she was in the in the uh, console room uh, with an SM57 and she was everything was blaring loud and she was kind of yelling into it and sort of cupping the mic mm-hmm. and the distortion came from that. So um, cool, cool. And it sort of worked and it was funny. The sound, the, the, the quote was, "It sounded really shit, but was perfect for the song." <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's just, just those song. things, you know. Yeah. They're perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and generally, just her playing, just I, I like her approach to things and the way she does things. And uh, I mean, this I was sort of, you know, I chose this album, like I said, because I think it sort of started her journey to where she is now. But if you get it, if people out there generally get a chance, her whole back um, catalogue is really, really good. Her first two albums, there's a lot of almost sort of folky, a little bit of cabaret. Uh, jazz kind of influences. There's horn. There's violins on on her early albums. Um, then once she sort of with Strange Mercy, it kind of went a little bit more electronic. And then with this, she went a lot more electronic. And then Mass Seduction, very very electronic. And now with That Is Home, she's gone back to sort of the more. Uh, I think the recording. A lot of it was everyone was in a room and it was recorded live. Yeah. And, um, it's just very interesting how she goes about things and and like I said she's one of the in my opinion few very few mainstream successfully artists at the moment who sort of give me hope that there is maybe it's not just this kind of let's cookie cutter let's just make garbage. everything exact sound yeah. exactly the same and it's sort of formula formula um, music production that's happening at the moment yeah very and exciting. she's just been a part of that sad but true thing, and she did a cover of, of that song, the Metallica song. Yeah, yeah, which is cool too. <laughs> which is really, really cool. It's very There's, different. I think it's uh, cool. Weezer did. We talked about Weezer much earlier, like weeks ago now. But uh, <laughs> um, I think Weezer did. It's a, it's a cool album. So it's all covers uh, of of Metallica songs mm. by different artists. Um, I wanted to go back to that whole MIDI switching thing. So um, yeah, because. I've been these new lights that I've got and a foot pedal that can go out of my MIDI switcher and I can send MIDI MIDI messages to like every time I hit a guitar solo to go into like full strobe mode. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, what we've always wanted. The technology that's- today that you can program your MIDI switcher to send mm. MIDI messages to the lighting and every time yeah. you change a channel or turn on an effect, the it changes so yeah. you can do that whole the whole pedal color thing so whenever you hit the chorus you know blue light you know the j <laughs> you know the jhs video that josh did with what color you associate what effect with yeah so whenever yeah. you hit a phase 90 like it goes to orange orange uh, <laughs> every time you hit distortion yellow you should sync it with the hx stomp so it's the same colors as the effect as you the, know, buttons. the effects colors that you <laughs> i've been getting into changing the colors on the on the foot switches too 
Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah. you can go right in now through Command Center and change yeah. all the lights <laughs> on the HX Stomp to go, okay, well, I want the chorus to be a blue and I want the flanger to be, you know, purple or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that way there's that, like, oral cue as well um, yeah. and things. But, yeah, that whole MIDI switching thing, it reminded me of that's what I'm in the middle of doing right now. It's cool. It's 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 modern technology. The, the only problem is when it doesn't work, then it's a disaster. But <laughs> you just have <laughs> a mean, backup. Especially... You just have a backup. Oh, yeah. You know. Okay. Green. So you don't know if it's a tube screamer or a or a phaser, a boss phaser. All right. There you go. Saint Vincent's self-titled album from 2015. Cool record, Gabor. A fascinating artist, and um, yeah, definitely worthy of the iconic status, man. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I was, a, I was a bit kind of. Uh, will people think this is iconic or not? But, but I think, I think it definitely is. And also having, like, my, like uh, Rob was saying, um, uh, it's a, it's a female artist who is sort of becoming, you know, an iconic female artist. So, for that reason as well. Yeah, absolutely. I Enjoy love the it. good decision. Yeah, mm. man. I love the breadth of artists between the three of us that we bring into this. I think it's cool. I mean, we could just, we could just focus on Led Zeppelin-esque stuff and it would we'd, we'd come up with great shows. But um, Skin it, man. Skin it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Freebird. Freebird. Freebird, Free man. <laughs> Simplify, man. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you get the idea. We all get the idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob, where can people um, keep up with all your business, man? Oh, uh, yeah. My uh, main gig is living in the 70s, so just... Uh, Jump on Facebook, Living in the 70s Live, and uh, you can laugh at all our silly antics. Nice. Rob, and you are one of the hardest working men in showbiz, like legit. Well, you do I work. was. I was, but... Um, yeah, you were. <laughs> people keep screwing. You, COVID you keeps screwing with me. You need a cape. You need a cape that you didn't <laughs> throw. <laughs> I'm crazy, man. This, 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 you know, this band is a full-time gig, and I'm so happy for it, and we have amazing support, so... Um, even in this lockdown, which um, I'm not sure when this one will go to air. Hopefully, we'll be out of it by then. Yeah. Um, but even in this lockdown period, people have been buying up our cruise tickets and they end up with basically three sold-out cruises since the lockdown. So uh, I'm super lucky and I thank everybody for their continued support. Yeah, great, man. That's awesome. And Gabor. Uh, yes. Well, if you want to, uh, for example, watch a video uh, on the Big Sonics X Pandora pedal, uh, then jump onto YouTube. Come on. Uh, and check out the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. And uh, ooh, a couple of years ago, we did a video on both the uh, version one and version two. So, nice. you know, you can check that out there. So, super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. All one word. We don't do gaps. Yeah. Uh, it's all in one breath. Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Thanks, fellas, for another iconic album. And uh, catch you next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Gabor. Thanks, Rob and Matt. See you guys later. All right. Thanks for joining us for another Guitar Speak podcast, Iconic Albums. I've really enjoyed putting these conversations together with Rob and Gabor. And it's been a really cool addition to our podcast show, which uh, every week has deep dive one-on-one interviews as well. That's been our bread and butter for the last five years. And that will be continuing as well. Thanks to Fretboard Biology for sponsoring today's episode. Check out the links in the show notes. 
All right, my name is Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And in the words of Michael Schenker, German guitarist from UFO, The Scorpions and MSG. Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.